This is the Troll Patrol. Live with Justin Freakin. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Final Fantasy VII Re... Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Fuck! That's all I can talk about! That's all... That's all that's on my mind! Shelly, good evening! Welcome to the Troll Patrol Live! It's a freaking Sunday! Where was Justin on Thursday? Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. I, the chat seems to be a little fucked up. DJ Dub had already commented. I saw clinically chanting for the gimp over in kick, but it ain't showing up. So I'm sorry if chat's a little wonky tonight. Good evening. Welcome. Welcome. We got news. That news be doing a lot of shit. Super Tuesday is this Tuesday and I've, I've gone back and forth about whether we're going to do a stream or not. Normally, a political streamer would do a show on Super Tuesday, but like... Super Tuesday, more like Stupid Tuesday. Where people are just going to be voting for Donald Trump, and that's all that's going to happen. Sparkles! Good evening, welcome. Thursday is the State of the Union. So we will be on Thursday, I promise I will not skip this Thursday. I bought... Ah, fuck. I'm still going to eat it. It fell on the floor. I'm still going to eat it. I bought these Ghirardelli dark chocolate mint because they were on my front page of my Instacart for uh, St. Patrick's Day. And I was like, well, I'll get them. Uh, St. Patrick's Day is this week. That's like It's like three weeks from now. I've already ate all my dark chocolate mints. It fell on the floor long past the 10-second rule. But I'm going to eat it. We don't waste chocolate in this house. PB girl. Kick is working. Yay. It's so good. I got some mint chocolate chip ice cream too, so. But that also probably will not last until St. Patrick's Day. DJ Dub. Clinically, good evening to you as well. I saw you comment. Man, this guy on Twitter was like talking about how, uh, you know, the the doctors are mutilating kids and everybody's a groomer and then responds like, there's no hate, like left-wing hate. Like, motherfucker, do you not realize you're committing blood libel? You're out here slandering people with bullshit. Libertad, good evening. St. David's Day. I've never heard of that one. Is that celebrating uh, the patron saint of pretty, pretty, pretty good? One Mr. Larry David. Been doing some 3D modeling. 
Hell yeah, PB girl. I'm not a, um, you know, I do like a lot of motion graphics and some animation shit for clients, but I don't really get into the, the 3D stuff. Mainly because getting resources, uh, getting assets to be able to utilize is not, um, if you can't mold shit yourself, if you can't, if you can't, uh, mold, mold. Like it's goddamn Play-Doh, and not a computer program. <laughs> Welsh people celebrate. Who? There was a whole debate about whether Welsh was a country that happened on on Twitter. I believe. Hey, Smokey, buddy. Buddy wants to see your ass, and you're hitting the microphone. My God, dude. I'm not high enough for this shit. We got news. We got news to be talking about. A uh, video of aid arriving in Gaza as the U.S. airdrops. Airdrops humanitarian aid to the Palestinian people. We're going to talk about why that's fucked up. We're going to talk about why they have to airdrop aid to Palestinians. This is, of course, following the Israeli attack on aid trucks that happened last week. Christine, uh, Christian Amanpour, I always fuck her name up. Christian Amanpour. She apparently took CNN to task for their coverage of Gaza. And inter uh, uh, audio was leaked to The Intercept. This is incredibly interesting. Uh, earlier today, uh, the vice president, Kamala Harris, called for a ceasefire. Apparently, Biden, we we did the Biden uh, speech a week ago, week and a half ago, and he was talking about there uh, being a truce on the horizon. And then we heard from both the Netanyahu government and uh, Hamas that, like, that's the first we'd heard of it. But apparently rumblings in Washington about a truce coming soon. Trump won big this weekend in multiple primary states. Of course, this is going to come uh, just a couple of days before he wins big on Super Tuesday. Kristen Welker apparently being taken to task on the social media for saying that Trump allegedly tried to steal the 2020 election. People taking issue with that word allegedly. White supremacist fitness clubs are fat shaming Trump supporters. <laughs> because they think a race war is coming and Trump supporters are fat asses. A Republican is surging in the polls in the California Senate primary race. We're going to talk about the arrest of Lauren Boebert's son. Apparently, John Fetterman has a lot more uh, sympathy for Lauren Boebert's son than he does any of the children being killed in uh, Palestine right now. There's this man. He's apparently a huge Kansas City Chiefs fan. I believe this is in relation to January 6th. I'm not actually sure. I just know. <laughs> but now, I didn't. 
I, I selected the the story just because of the the headline. But now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure this dude was arrested in relation to January 6th because I think I remember doing the, the story about him getting arrested. So this defense that he made in court may be uh, pertaining to his participation in January 6th, but uh, his lawyer apparently went off on a bunch of bizarre football metaphors. Now, this man is known as the Chiefsaholic, a well-known... Kansas City Chiefs fan apparently couldn't make it to the Super Bowl this year because he had some legal trouble. Getting reports of an 11-year-old who was attacked by a shark in Hawaii. Speaking of trouble in the water, new new audio has emerged of the Titan sub. Remember that sub last year? This is about a year to the day, isn't it? Remember that sub that the CEO took his, took his like his son down under and uh, everybody died. Yeah, we got we got uh, audio from that just released. The West Coast was pounded by uh, I think a historic storm, definitely a huge storm. Right wingers are see my favorite show. I don't know if you guys know this or not. I've probably said it, uh, uh, and it fluctuates. I don't know what my favorite show is. Is my favorite show Sunny in Philadelphia? Is my favorite show South Park? It de- it depends on what mood I'm in. Lately, I've been rewatching Seinfeld, so I would tell you that my favorite show is Seinfeld. Definitely one of, and Larry David is by far one of my. My idols. Also, rest in peace to Richard Lewis. Passed away this past week. I'll play a little clip. I'll play a little clip. The billionaire tune again. Here's your meme of the day. News breaking at the end of last week. Mitch McConnell will step down as the Senate Republican leader in November after a record run in the job. Now, I... I tend to think that he would do this because he feels that the Republicans will lose, that the Republicans will not retake the Senate in the fall. But all the polling and the Senate map would suggest that the Republicans are primed to retake the Senate. Poor Lord, good evening, Quesadilla. Good evening. So glad to see you guys. Find Jesus. I am Jesus, motherfucker. Richard snug in here on me. Good evening, Richard. I'm not high enough. I'm going to get high here in just a second. I want to, since, since I brought up Richard Lewis, I fucking, I love Curb Your Enthusiasm. Love Larry David. Huge fan. Uh, Richard Lewis passed away this week. And uh, I put this out on Twitter as like a, a tribute to him. This was from, uh, this is not this season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, but last season. This is a scene from last season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Preparing I can't this. even look at you. I get depressed. When are you going to die? You just, don't will, you, will you please don't die? Rest in peace, Richard Lewis. 
Hilarious comedian. I was trying to explain uh, who he was to somebody. And I was like, the little Jewish man that was angry about everything. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. That describes a lot of people, doesn't it? Ironically, his last scene on Curb Your Enthusiasm, I don't, I, he may still appear in this season, but the last scene that aired before he died was him telling Larry David that he was putting Larry in his will and Larry thinking it was some kind of a ploy to get him to put Richard in his will because Larry is like a billionaire and like he thought that Richard thought he was going to die before he would. The very morbid jokes about Richard Lewis. Richard Lewis passes away. The good leave us. Mitch McConnell still kicking. Here's the thing. was He's, he's just stepping down as Senate Republican leader. He's stepping down from his leadership position. He says he will serve out his term which I believe is till 2026. He won re-election in 2020, right? So 2026. He's He will have two more years in this term. But we ain't done with Mitch yet, unfortunately. There was a car that was donated to Cars for Kids and immediately got sent to the junkyard. Which, is, which sucks because it was a badass car. <laughs> Plus, DJ Khaled and another one. Khalid? Khaled? Did I say it? I fucking... I never get it right. Not to be confused with Khaled, the hip-hop rapper. Two different people. This is DJ Khaled. Khalid? Khalid? This is the non-pussy-eating motherfucker. This dude don't eat no pussy. Makes me think like something is wrong with him. Not only does he not eat pussy, he is a gigantic pussy because he made his bodyguards carry him because he didn't want to get his sneakers dirty. All that and a lot freaking more tonight on the Troll Patrol Live. Good evening. DJ Khalid. DJ Khalid. Did I say it right? Even then, pussy still tastes good. I ain't gay, but I can admit dick is yummy. I thought there was more in there. I need to make a run tomorrow. I've got like two bowls left, and I'm saving them... Till, till I go back over to play Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth here in about an hour and a half. I'm, I'm not going to get through this shit in two hours. Hour and a half was being optimistic. Be amazed I'm even sitting here right now. In case you're wondering, it is an amazing fucking game. Now, I might be a little biased because it was like my favorite game when I was a kid. This is the the remake of it, so. But the game is insanely good. I've enjoyed it immensely. 
seriously want to get more high, but I don't want to touch my weed. I don't think I have any more scraps to smoke. Let's see if there's anything in this one. Oh yeah, there we go. <laughs> Wait, what? He's a Palestinian? I had no idea. Wow, DJ Khalid. You really suck ass, don't you? And I like I've never liked any of his music. I have never liked any of his fucking songs. How who's listening to this motherfucker? I didn't I didn't put the story on the Roll another joint clinically. Well it's it's uh it's not a big deal. Like I just didn't uh I had to I had to have Curious or front me some money to pay my fucking electric bill. And I was like, but I've got so much money coming to me this week, it just fell a couple days short. So don't worry, I'll have weed. We we come up the State of the Union comes up and I'll be uh chief into the chief. Trust me. Right now I've got uh, that much left. That much. That's for Final Fantasy here in a little bit. I've been smoking all goddamn day. I even smoked a bong earlier, so. <laughs> it's not like I'm in a bad situation. We good. We good. We good. All right, let's get to it. We got news to cover. Uh, I think a mass shooting happened, but I, I didn't. I didn't get a story on it because, like, that's just the kind of thing that happens and we ignore now. But if you don't have like double-digit body count, like it just kind of goes under the radar at this point. Speaking of body count, let's go to Gaza. It's going to be hard to talk about, as always. Thankfully, aid has reached people who are desperately in need. The U.S. is actually dropping humanitarian aid on Gaza as we... As we speak, or earlier today... In the conflict in Gaza, where it's been reported that the US has carried out its first airdrop of aid for the territory. Thousands of meals have been parachuted in by three military planes. That follows a pledge on Friday by President Biden. Meanwhile, Egyptians... How much is an elbow? I Now, now, like, I, I, was, I was ready to get into the news, but now I'm... Americans will use anything other than the metric system. I've got an elbow left of weed. Do you measure it? Oh, oh, I've never heard it called that. That makes perfect sense. Oh, shit. I'll be damned. Less than a pound. I thought you were saying like literally like do you measure from here? Do you measure from here to here? 
This is like the this is like where do you measure your dick from? Do you measure it from the bottom of the balls? Do you measure you measure it from the start of the shaft? Sorry, anyway, anyway. Serious story here. There's a genocide going on in the world, and I'm over here laughing about elbows of weed. We begin with the latest in the conflict in Gaza, where it's been reported that the US has carried out its first airdrop of aid for the territory. Thousands of meals have been parachuted in by three military planes. That follows a pledge on Friday by President Biden. Meanwhile, Egyptian sources say talks on trying to secure a ceasefire in Gaza are due to resume in Cairo on Sunday. It's understood there has been some progress, but the violence has been continuing. At least 13 Palestinians, including a medic, are reported to have been killed by an Israeli airstrike near a hospital. And a United Nations team visiting Gaza's biggest hospital has found that many Palestinians who were injured as lorries were delivering aid on Thursday does Gaza have a hospital anymore? This is the first time hearing of it. I thought they had no operational hospital at this point in time. Were wounded by gunshots. American officials have confirmed that the US military has carried out its first airdrop of humanitarian aid into Gaza. Let's take a look at these pictures here. You can see US military planes flying over Deir al-Bala in the central Gaza Strip. American officials say over 35,000 meals were dropped by parachute. It comes after a promise by President Biden on Friday following the deaths of 112 Palestinians during a rush on an aid convoy on Thursday. I just want to point out that airdrop is what we do when we're sending aid to people who are in enemy territory. Airdrops are not what you do inside of your allies country like this is the shit that we did to like eastern berlin it's very odd that the u.s would have to airdrop aid hey, let's get more on this now from our washington correspondent will vernon will good to see you good morning to you there in dc tell us more about what u.s officials have been saying well, that's right, we received the statement um, from the US military saying that this first airdrop has been carried out. That was done uh, in coordination together uh, with the Jordanian Air Force, uh, some sea- DJ Dub, I saw somebody do the math on it. It was like 0 .0013 mils per person. 30 aircraft uh, dropping over 38,000 meals along the coastline of Gaza, uh, say the US military. Now, this will not be the first. This will be part of an ongoing mission. There's expected uh, to be many of these. US officials say Israel is supportive of the mission, and it's being carefully planned uh, to ensure that there aren't any civilian casualties on the ground, because this is a, a very complex... By supportive, they mean that Israel isn't there shooting at the planes as they come over the beach. That's what they mean by supportive. And I guess we should thank God that that's not happening at the moment. This is, in fact, an actually, uh, actually a very inefficient uh, way of delivering aid. Getting aid in by trucks via land routes is actually um, much more, much simpler and much more efficient. Uh, so I think the fact that the U.S. has opted for this method not only uh, shows how serious the humanitarian crisis is in Gaza, uh, but it also 
uh, I think, shows that uh, the U.S. wants to send a message that uh, more aid needs to get in by land. And indeed, in that statement from the U.S. military today, uh, it says these airdrops are part of a sustained effort to get more aid into Gaza, including by expanding the flow of aid through land corridors and routes. Uh, Will, I want to pick up on what you mentioned there, this, this slight nuanced shift in the U.S. position, because... I don't think we would care. Israel shoots down one of our planes. I mean, what... <laughs> Just another excuse to buy another plane. What are we going to do about it? It's not like we're going to declare war on Israel. Or maybe we do and still keep providing them arms. Who fucking knows? America has been supportive, generally speaking, of Israeli activity. But this is a change in tone. And this promise by President Biden on Friday uh, was a shift in that. I think uncommitted had something to do with this. Yes. This, do you think? That's right. I mean, we've we've been hearing a kind of increasing tone of exasperation, I think, from President Biden, from other uh, White House Have officials we? in recent weeks. Come on, um, man. Recently, President Biden said he thought uh, Israel's military operation in Gaza was over the top. Uh, recently, kind of uh, he it. said that uh, the the Rafa, uh, Israel's plans to launch an offensive into the Gaza city of Rafa uh, shouldn't go ahead unless uh, careful planning uh, took place to ensure that no civilian casualties, uh, that, that there were no civilian casualties. Uh, and also yesterday during President Biden's meeting with the it Italian Prime Minister, we saw him say that uh, only a handful of aid trucks were getting in, uh, whereas it should be, you know, many more than. Yes, he went on about almost said Jimmy Fallon. It's uh, Seth Meyers. He went on Seth Meyers, declared himself an emphatical Zionist. Then Seth Meyers apparently took Biden out for ice cream, and this absolutely uh, caused the right wing to go nuts. Saw multiple people tweet about how a grown man going for ice cream by himself is weird, despite the fact that Seth Meyers was with Joe Biden. Several people, uh, right wingers, were bitching at him because he was talking about uh, the border and Israel with reporters while he was eating ice cream. But I mean, it was a, it was a PR stunt to begin. It was them going for ice cream was for press anyway, after the Seth Meyers thing. So right wingers are just always up in arms, but the dumbest shit. Much more than that. Uh, so I think, you know, there has been, uh, there has been some frustration. Uh, but also remember, it is an election year here, a particularly closely thought, uh, fought uh, election campaign, particularly polarizing, at least it's shaping up to be that way. Exactly, the reporters chose the topic. Gaza ...is becoming an election issue here. And President Biden has to walk a very tricky tightrope. On the one hand, he has to ensure that the US is, is supporting a key ally, Israel. On the other hand, he has to uh, make sure he's not alienating progressives in his own party. <laughs> also putting off traditional voters. And we saw that a few days ago uh, in the state of Michigan when a Democrat primary election was held there. Uh, over 100,000 people in Michigan actually voted uncommitted. So most of those were a protest vote against President Biden. I would assume all of them are. ...support of Israel. Of course, the U.S. Uh, hasn't uh, called for an immediate ceasefire like many people uh, many of those voters in Michigan, for example, uh, would like President Biden to. So that, I think, was um, a stark warning and a concerning, I think, sign uh, for the White House, for the Biden campaign, that come November, 
uh, this could become a problem among key voters in those crucial swing states such as Michigan. Okay, well, very good to get that take from you. Over 100,000 people voting uncommitted in Michigan. I can't imagine anybody voted uncommitted without being a part of the protest to try to get the Biden administration to acknowledge the genocide that Israel is doing and to cut aid or at least condition aid. Now, the airdrops were necessary because of this horrendous footage that I'm getting ready to show you. More than 100 people were killed as Israeli troops opened fire on an aid truck. Israeli. Now, a lot of a lot of uh, news outlets are framing it this way. Israel said they didn't open fire on the truck, but they absolutely did. Israel Israeli troops opened fire on an aid point. You can see the people. That is the truck in the middle. This is a drone shot. People swarming the truck. Footage released by the IDF appears to show the moment civilians were gathering around aid trucks. There are competing versions of events emerging about how people died. Killed by Israel. Hamas run authorities say they were killed after Israeli troops opened fire on the aid point. Israeli sources confirmed that troops opened fire, but said this did not account for all the deaths. And that tens of people were killed by the trucks themselves after they were overwhelmed by people. I call bullshit. Humanitarian crisis unfolding in Gaza with food shortages. Greatest in the north. Hospitals were unable to cope with the volume and severity of injuries from dozens of wounded people. What happened was that yesterday we received information that aid would be dropped in the Nabalusi roundabout area, so we headed there. All the people from the northern Gaza Strip were with us, heading to the same place. Then at five minutes to four, we were surprised by Israeli tanks that came out and opened fire on people randomly and directly. Now you're not hearing it from a Hamas source. This is an innocent person, a random citizen who was there. It's not Hamas saying it. He said Israeli tanks showed up and fired on us. Immediately afterward, all we found were martyrs, the injured, and the wounded. Scattered on the ground in a chaotic and horrific manner. Is that what it said? I, I missed that last part. Horrifying manner. Scattered on the ground in a chaotic and horrifying manner. I didn't know that they had hospitals still. That one hospital that was still operational, they sent a guy that they were holding hostage into the hospital to tell staff to evacuate. And when he came out, they shot him in the head. The brutality. 
In this, it, it's not even a war. I hate seeing people call it a war. You wouldn't say that the Germans were at war with the Jews during the Holocaust. It was just a massacre, and that's what is. Hamas isn't an army. Hamas doesn't have a military. They are massacring civilians. And the coverage here in the Western press has been appalling. And apparently one of CNN's top anchors had a lot to say about that. In an internal meeting, we're reading from The Intercept here. In an internal meeting, Christian Amanpour confronts CNN brass about double standards on Israeli coverage. Uh, Amanpour expressed real distress over Israel stories being changed while other staffers described a climate that is hostile to Arab journalists. Nah, shit. The renowned international news anchor Christian Amanpour confronted network executives over what the staffers described as a myriad of leadership failings and covering and coverage of his, Israel's war on Gaza. War on Gaza? I can accept that framing. Israel is waging a war on Gaza. According to a leaked uh, recording of a recent all-hands meeting obtained by The Intercept, in the hours-long meeting at CNN's London Bureau on February the 13th, staffers took turns questioning a panel of executives about CNN's protocols for covering the war in Gaza and what they describe as a hostile climate for Arab reporters. Several junior and senior CNN employees described feeling devalued, embarrassed, and disgraced by CNN's war coverage. The panelists, CNN Worldwide CEO and CNN Editor-in-Chief Mark Thompson, CNN U.S. Executive Editor of Virginia Mosley, and CNN International General Manager Mike McCarthy, responded with broad assurances that the employees' concerns were being heard, while also defending CNN's work and pointing to the pre uh, persistent obstacle of gaining access inside the Gaza Strip. What's the uh, obstacle to gaining access inside the Gaza Strip exactly? One issue that came up repeatedly is CNN's long-time process for routing almost all coverage relating to Israel and Palestine through the network's Jerusalem Bureau. As The Intercept reported in January, the protocol, which has existed for years but was expanded and rebranded as Second Eyes last summer, that sounds Orwellian, slows down reporting on Gaza and filters news about the war through journalists in Jerusalem who operate under the shadow of Israel's military censor. You've heard from me, you've heard my, you know, real distress with second eyes, changing copy, double standards, and all the rest, said Amanpour, uh, who was identified in the recording when an executive called her name. So you've heard it, and I hear what your response is, and I hope it does go a long way. CNN spokesman Jonathan Hawkins declined to comment on the meeting and pointed The Intercept to the network's previous statement about Second Eyes, which described it as a process to bring more expert eyes to coverage around the clock. I would add to this that the staff members on this group include Arab staff based outside Israel and have done uh, since the group was established. 
Amanpour did not respond to a request for comment. Like other mainstream news organizations, CNN has faced a flood of internal and external criticism of its coverage of Israel and Gaza since October 7th, accused of minimizing Palestinian suffering and uncritically amplifying Israeli narratives. Just this week, CNN described an Israeli massacre of more than 100 starving people who were gathered to get food as a chaotic incident. Earlier this month, The Guardian published an extensive story sourced to multiple CNN staffers who described the network's Gaza coverage as journalistic malpractice. During the February meeting, a half-dozen staffers spoke candidly about concerns with CNN's war coverage. They said the coverage has weakened the network's standing in the region and has led Arab staffers, some of whom entered lethal situations to cover the war, feeling as though their lives are expendable. I was in southern Lebanon during October and November, one journalist said, and it was more distressing for me to turn on CNN than the bombs falling nearby. Wow, great coverage by The Intercept. If you want to finish reading the story, linking it in the chat. We heard from the, uh, was it a State Department official that was on the BBC that had a British accent? I believe it was a State Department official. Mentioning the Biden administration, it could have just been a reporter from their Washington bureau. That's probably more likely. I don't remember exactly who it was, but he was talking about the change in, the slight change in tone with the Biden administration. This was before today's speech by Vice President Kamala Harris from Selma, Alabama, where apparently she finally... The administration finally calling for a ceasefire. And given the immense scale of suffering in Gaza, there must be an immediate ceasefire. For at least the next six weeks, which is what is... For at least the next six weeks. Oh, wow. Cool. Currently on the table. Hamas claims it wants a ceasefire, well, there is a deal on the table. And as we have said, Hamas needs to agree to that deal. Let's get a ceasefire. Let's reunite the hostages with their families. And let's provide immediate relief to the people of Gaza. We gas sauce indeed. But at least it's something. At least all of the pressure on the administration does seem to be having an effect. Thankfully, ceasefire terms and conditions apply. Israel and Hamas appear to be moving closer to a, to a ceasefire that could pause a war that has gone on for over 140 days. President Joe Biden says an agreement could be in place as soon as Monday. Negotiators say there are no formal deadlines, but there is a desire to have an agreement in place ahead of Ramadan, the Muslim holy month. That's set to begin around March 10th. While the sides are still hammering out the final details, the basic contours of the deal have begun to emerge. We are talking about a six week pause in fighting. During that time, where do you guys think this guy's at? Tel Aviv? Jerusalem? 
I would assume probably Tel Aviv, right? Look at all that construction. Israel, man. Hamas would free roughly 40 of the 100 more than one. He is in Jerusalem. You can see, oh, you can't see it because of my camera, but there is a uh, banner right behind him that says Midtown Jerusalem. He is in Jerusalem. 100 hostages it's holding in Gaza. These would be women, the elderly, and uh, sick hostages. In exchange, Israel would release 300 Palestinian prisoners. It would also facilitate the entry of larger quantities of international aid to Gaza. Also, Palestinians, displaced Palestinians, would be able to begin to return to their homes in northern Gaza. Now, there are still many sticking points. Israel wants guarantees that all... Now, my response to that would be, what homes? What homes in northern Gaza? I've seen northern Gaza. There used to be a city there. Ain't no city anymore. Female soldiers in Hamas captivity will be part of this first uh, phase. It's not clear who exactly on the Palestinian side will be allowed to return home uh, in northern Gaza. And there will be some disagreements over which exactly, which prisoners uh, will be freed uh, by Israel. So there are details to be worked out. Also, Israel, for the time being, is refusing to call off its planned invasion of the southern Gaza town of Rafah. This is considered to be the final uh, Hamas stronghold. Israel says it is essential to carry out that operation to defeat Hamas. But despite all of these areas of disagreement, there does appear to be this, uh, this desire to get a temporary six-week pause in place. And the idea is that could potentially provide the basis for a longer term and perhaps permanent end to the war. Also, he's on a green screen. It's really, it's really weird. Like they, they went out and got footage of Jerusalem and they're playing a live video or not a live video. They're playing a recorded video with sounds and everything behind him while he's on a green screen. Yep. Yep. Clinically manufacturing consent. Indeed. Let's hope, let's hope we wake up tomorrow to news of a ceasefire. That would be, that would be some, that would be welcome currently, even if for just six weeks. So there were a couple primaries this weekend, and I apologize. I do a political show. I'm a political junkie. I should be on stream whenever we're having these primaries, but they're just not. There's no reason. There's no. There's no news. There's nothing going on. It's, it's the Trump show. Biggie one DC. Oh, fuck. There's no there there. And that's why, like, I'm debating. Do I do a stream on Tuesday? Do you guys want a Super Tuesday stream? There's no news. There's nothing going on. 
Okay, fine. Super Tuesday stream. I will see you Tuesday, and then I will see you Thursday. Thursday is the State of the Union. So Tuesday, it's the Trump show. Thursday, it's the Biden show. No door pussy. Trump wins in Idaho and Missouri over the weekend, defeating Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley also getting trounced in what? Seven states? Eight states come this Tuesday. Former President Trump took another big step on Saturday toward winning the Republican presidential nomination. He defeated Nikki Haley easily in caucuses in the states of Idaho and Missouri, while also picking up every delegate at Michigan's convention caucuses. That delegate total now stands at Trump 247. This entire time, I thought you've been saying Joever, but you're saying like Joever. It's Jover. I thought you've been like Joever. Joever Biden. But you're saying it's Jover. Seven, Nikki Haley, 24. And Trump is poised to roll through the Super Tuesday states now just two days away. NBC's Ali Vitale is following the campaign for us. Ali, good morning. Good morning, William. That's right. All important Super Tuesday drawing ever closer as former President Trump continues to dominate in every other primary or caucus so far this year. That includes those you mentioned last night. And on Tuesday, 15 states hold primaries with more than 800 delegates up for grabs. That could put Trump on the brink of clinching the GOP nomination. But Super Tuesday may also be the last stand for Mr. Trump's sole rival. Former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley vowed oh, she's gonna stay in. Tuesday before taking it, in her words, step by step after that. And Trump's successful week on the trail only sweetened by legal victories across three of his major court cases. First, the Supreme Court agreeing to take up whether Trump can claim presidential immunity over election interference charges. That holds up the Department of Justice case until the court makes a ruling. Second, there's no date set yet for his classified documents case, likely pushing it back to at least the summer. And finally, in Georgia, a judge still weighing misconduct claims against Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis that could... That might be the big news that we'll be talking about come a Tuesday stream. A ruling by the judge on whether uh, Fannie Willis can remain on the case. The impact if Willis is disqualified from trying that election interference case against Trump there. In short, it's delays, 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 which is exactly what Trump and his team have been hoping for, ensuring that all of this legal drama plays out much closer to Election Day come November. Willie? A lot to sort through. Ali Vitale doing it for us in Washington. Ali, thank Ali Vitale has really pretty eyes. Ali Vitale, may my heart skip a beat here. Uh, I'm sorry, what? I don't think it's good for Trump if... If, like, say he goes on trial in October, I don't think that's good for him. I think, I don't, I don't, I don't think the, the legal entanglements happening around the election are going to be a good thing for him. I think what's good is if he can get them all delayed until after the election. As if we really need somebody to break it down for us on what's going to happen on Tuesday. I'm pretty, I'm pretty much, uh, well, she, she fucked him before she was like fucking prosecuting Trump. That all happened before this. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I will say that, yeah, it doesn't look good on your part, 
uh, Fanny Willis, but like also it shouldn't have any bearing on her ability to prosecute that case. But it does, it, it has the smell of impropriety, even though like I doubt there was anything uh, unethical going on. Co-workers fucked. I've fucked many of my co-workers. But then again, you know, I live in sexual anarchy. You live in sexual anarchy? I I don't understand her picking him, yes. Especially after we heard what she had to say about him. She didn't seem to have too high of an opinion of him. When she was on the stand. God damn, that was great. So, this was on Meet the Press earlier today. Steve Kornacki going to break it down for us. What's going to happen on Super Tuesday? Us for more on what this week's results in Michigan say about a potential Trump-Biden rematch and for a reality check on Haley's path on Super Tuesday is NBC News political correspondent Steve Kornacki. Steve, break it all down for us. Yeah, Kristen. Well, look, all eyes were on Michigan this week, obviously for the primary, but also because it will be a important, maybe the pivotal state in the general election if it is indeed a Trump-Biden rematch. Take a look here. We're giving you the states as they went in 2020 in the Trump-Biden. And here's the wild thing, okay? So that presidential historian that usually like picks the, the winner of the race, he says Biden, easy. But then you've got Wasserman who I, I very much respect, said if the polls stay the way they are, Trump wins. So, like, we're in a really weird... Then there's another... There's an election YouTube. It's a really boring channel, but I love watching it. And that dude thinks Biden's going to cruise to victory easily. I don't... This is, this is a weird situation. I still stand behind my... It's still possible that Trump is not... I've said all along that I thought he would be too entangled with his legal matters to actually run for president. So far, that hasn't stopped him. But now we're going to see come... What is it? Later this month, the motherfucker's got to got to fork over four hundred million dollars or have assets seized. He ain't got it. That was some. I didn't put it on the list, but he ain't got it. He offered to pay a hundred million dollar bond, and the court has denied that. If the economy stays the way it is, if unemployment stays low, we don't see a market crash. I think Biden wins. I think it's because like, why would you, if you were a betting man, given the fact that Trump has lost the popular vote both times by a significant amount, then the safe bet should be Joe Biden. Biden election. If you re-ran them, remember the states have different electoral count votes now. Some of them at least do. If you re-ran 2020, Biden would now start out with 303, Trump with 235. But how did Biden win in 2020? Remember, he flipped five states that Donald Trump had carried in 2016. That was Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Arizona. So if Trump has a path back to the White House, it probably goes through those five states. Now, take a look in terms of underscoring the importance of Michigan and those... But now he has to win almost all five of them. I don't think he has to win all five, 
but he has to win like Georgia, Arizona, and Pennsylvania. He has to win Georgia, Arizona, and Wisconsin. Three Midwest states. If you start with Georgia and Arizona, they were the two closest in 2020. So let's say, just for the sake of showing you this, that Trump is somehow able to flip those states. If he were to get Georgia, if he were to get Arizona, he would still be short of 270, and that would bring you to those Midwest states. And he would need to flip one of them in this scenario to get over 270. You can see if he were to get Michigan here, then he'd be over 270. So any Trump path back to the White House, he's going to have to win back at least one of those three Midwest states, and Michigan could actually end up being his best shot at it. You take a look at those primary results this week. As you mentioned, Trump here more than 40 points ahead of Nikki Haley. He does win every county in the state. You do see about a quarter of the vote there not going to Trump. Take that with a grain of salt. Remember, open primary in Michigan. Democrats could vote. Republicans could vote in the Republican primary. Some evidence that there's a fair number of Democrats and independents who've been coming into these primaries just because they want to vote against Donald Trump. But if you looked inside these counties, you would see what we've known for a while now. Donald Trump's biggest vulnerability, his softest support is in the suburbs, particularly suburbs with of concentrations of white voters with college degrees, affluent white voters, a place like Oakland County, just north of Michigan, gigantic white collar suburban county. Joe Biden had carried this by almost 15 points in 2020. Trump did win it in this primary, but he did worse there than he did statewide. That's the kind of county he may have some trouble in in the fall. If Biden's going to win Michigan again, Biden's going to do it by driving up big numbers. Where are the white women at? County. Now, let's take a look at Joe Biden on the Democratic side. Again, he gets more than 80 percent of the vote in this week's primary and a lot of attention on the uncommitted vote, about 100,000 votes here. You see, there was an effort from activists to make this a protest vote against Biden's handling of Israel and Hamas. But take this with a grain of salt, too. You see those 100,000 votes uncommitted on the Michigan ballot every four years in these primaries. Even Barack Obama, 2012, unopposed, running for reelection, uncommitted, got over 10 percent of the vote against him. So in terms of the actual number of voters who are out there protesting Biden on the Israel Hamas issue, who might stay home, might not vote for him in November, you're probably talking about a very, very small number. Of course, very, very close election, a very small number in that situation could matter here. So take a look here, though. This is all, as we say, assuming that Nikki Haley does not pull off the mother of all political miracles on Tuesday, because right now, Here's the Republican race. You see the delegate count Trump by a 10 to 1 margin leading Nikki Haley. And you see what's going to come up Tuesday. Let me call those up. These are all the states and all the results we've had so far. But let's call up the big one, Super Tuesday here, and just take a look at this map. And I think you'll see the challenge Haley faces. Here's all the states. And, you know, you start. It's the map and it's the rules. California, you would think, is a great state for Nikki Haley. Closed primary. Independence. Well, notice that Corn Aggie said that uh, the vote against Obama was 10%. I bet that there wasn't that many people voting in that primary. There was a, that 10% uh, was what? 5,000 votes compared to 13%. It was 100,000 votes. But I don't, I don't know what the actual numbers are. I don't know that. I, that's just me taking a guess. There's probably a lot less people voting in Michigan at, during that election.
Republicans can't vote. Democrats can't vote. And it's winner take all. If Trump just gets 50 percent plus one, he gets all 169 delegates out of California. A lot of states that are like that. Alabama's essentially a winner take all. Arkansas is essentially a winner take all here. Texas is at the statewide level, essentially winner take all as well. They also give out votes by congressional district. But if you look at those districts, they really look friendly to Trump. The bottom line for Nikki Haley, when you look at this map, 40. Boom. There you go, Richard. Unless she's winning states, winning multiple states on Tuesday, she's going to get buried in a delegate. So it was Obama getting 200K versus 20K voting uncommitted. 600K voted for Biden with 100,000 voting uncommitted. That Obama 10% versus Biden 13%, those those are completely different numbers, playing a different game. I hate that Kornacki uh, downplayed that. He should know better. Look at Avalanche, Kristen. Just a fascinating breakdown. Steve Kornacki, thank you so much for that. Thanks for watching. Stay updated. Shut up, Lester. Hey, you saw Kristen Welker there. I believe it was during her segment right before bringing in Kornacki that this happened. Welker sparked fury online with her remark on Donald Trump's 2020 election behavior. Uh, NBC News' Meet the Press host Kristen Welker sparked fury on social media on Sunday over her latest remarks about former President Donald Trump's actions surrounding the 2020 election. I'll let you uh, let you see what she said. This is what people are taking issue with. Immune from criminal prosecution for allegedly trying to overturn the 2020 election. Mr. Trump's claim that he's immune from criminal prosecution for allegedly trying to overturn the 2020 election. Technically, it's not been proven in a court of law as a journalist. She probably should say allegedly. However... The motherfucker tried to steal the election. That's the only primary Nikki Haley has won. How many del? Do they even have any delegates? Six. Good evening. And we're about. Uh, Coming up on the third month into the new year here. A couple days into it. Have you guys kept your New Year's resolutions to go to the gym? You've been working out. Haven't been skipping leg day, right? White supremacist fitness clubs are fat-shaming Trump supporters while plotting a race war. A network of white supremacist fitness clubs is spreading across the U.S., recruiting men to prepare for what they believe will be a race war. The groups known as active clubs target disaffected white men by offering a sense of community with members regularly meeting to practice martial arts or work out. Uh, Also called the Joe Rogan Club. The groups have a much darker agenda that's rooted in white supremacist ideology. Dude Bro Club. Their Telegram channels reveal their extremist views. They are filled with neo-Nazi iconography, racist and anti-Semitic memes, and negative news articles about people of color and LGBTQ plus people. 
They are quickly becoming one of the most prominent vectors for white terrorist radicalization in the United States in recent years. It's according to John Lewis, a research fellow at the Program on Extremism at George Washington University. They're training for what they view to be this kind of inevitable race war, this inevitable violent clash for the future of civilization. One former member of an active club told Vice News last year that the group would slowly introduce extremist ideology to new members by making racist jokes, talking about stories in the news which ethnic minorities attacked white people. Do we have video of this? Oh no, that's Nazi fight. That's listening to the uh, the article. Uh, also, rest in peace, Vice News. In a promotional video, the leader of the SoCal Active Club said they were not terrorists and simply wanted to build a positive community. A promotional video. I used to have Telegram. I don't have Telegram anymore. I don't know if we can watch this. Yeah, I deleted it off. God damn it. Well, let me see if I can, uh... Race war! <laughs> yes. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, shit, here we go! It's on! Race war! Race war! Race war! Race wars on, everybody! It's going down! Shit is going down! Shit is going down! I can put some kind of fucking virus on my computer or some shit. Did this shit even download? God damn it. Ah, the things I do for you people. That's the whole reason I did this. I wanted to watch that promotional video. It ain't opening in Telegram. God damn, I hate these fucking Nazi apps. I have no idea why it is not working for me. Well, nuts. I really wanted to see, I really wanted to see their promotional video. One of the main strengths of the club is that it works as decentralized networks with white men nationwide encouraged to set up and run their own clubs. So it's also like an MLM. It's the, it's an Andrew Tate, Dubro, Jim movement. 
The movement was inspired by Robert Rundo, who founded the white supremacist MMA club known as the Rise Above Movement. Venus, good evening! In one video, the Central CA Active Club also hit out the former president for not being a true revolutionary. Ah, it's once again in Telegram. We can't watch it. God damn it! It just keeps bringing this up. I don't, like, it won't play the video. I don't know how Telegram works. It's all Telegram. I can't show you any of these videos, which probably for the best. Probably some really disgusting racism going on. But I love that they're fat shaming people. Trump supporters aren't, aren't uh, in a good enough shape. Racism or child porn? There is no in-between. Fair enough. That's what's on Telegram. Warlord sounds like he's speaking from experience. <laughs> you deserve a titty slap for that one. A titty slap! Give me those titties, huh? She's probably defending her her women's world title right now. Timeless Tony Storm. You know what? The, you know what else is timeless? The story of Lauren Boebert. Does it feel kind of exploitative to get on here and talk about her son getting arrested? Yes, but also fuck right wingers. Son of a Colorado Congresswoman, Lauren Boebert has been arrested and charged with nearly two dozen crimes, including multiple felonies. The 18 year old is accused of breaking into vehicles and then stealing wallets. Fox 31's Ashley Michaels is live in studio tonight with the very latest Ashley. Well, police arrested Tyler Boebert yesterday. He's already been in court and released, but he's still facing some very serious charges. Now, according to arrest documents, he's accused of playing a role in breaking into at least four vehicles in the rifle area, then using stolen debit cards. The purchases were mostly at gas stations for things like fuel, snacks, even a blue Gatorade. There's also a $50 charge at McDonald's and a charge for more than 700. What are you getting from McDonald's? It's 50. Well, I haven't been to McDonald's in a very long time. Apparently they've priced themselves out of the market. The CEO is complaining that, uh, uh that, that, that they're like poor people don't come to McDonald's anymore. And there was a whole thing about how like, I can go to Red Robin and spend $18 on a burger. That's a gourmet burger. So I don't know. Maybe McDonald's you can spend 50 bucks at. But like when I used to eat at McDonald's when I was, I still worked a real job, you know, two McChicken sandwiches and a large sweet tea was like 350 motherfuckers. Bucks at an online clothing shop that got flagged and declined. Now we're told this uh, happened uh, when he was with a group of friends, so it's unclear exactly who did what in this string of crimes. But police identified Tyler using security cameras from the gas stations. You can see it here in this photo. It's tough to see, but he was wearing a hoodie that said Shooter's Grill on it. That's the restaurant his mom, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, used to own. Now, in a statement, she said in part, I love my Idiot. He's been through some very difficult public challenges that he didn't ask for. Breaks my heart to see my child struggling and that he should 
should be held accountable for poor decisions just like any other citizen. Now, this is the latest in a string of legal trouble for the Boebert family. Recently, there were accusations of a physical fight between the congresswoman and her ex-husband. She did end up filing a temporary restraining order against him. Now, she has said that is one of the big reasons why she moved from the Western Slope to Windsor, Colorado instead, and why she is currently running for Colorado's 4th Congressional District instead of CD3, which is the seat that she currently holds. Ashley Michaels, Fox 31. All right, Ashley, thank you very much. Exactly. I, I mentioned this earlier. Fetterman showing more sympathy for Lo Lauren Boebert's son. And I'm pretty sure Lauren Boebert has been uh, horrendous when it comes to Fetterman's medical conditions. Shows more sympathy to Boebert's son than he does Palestinian children. Apparently, apparently Sparkles has stated that she will sing, I don't know what, from a distance. The song from a distance or you're going to sing? Like you're going to sing from a distance on the show. Are you going to, you're going to actually sing Bette Midler. She sent me this like a half hour ago. I'm just now seeing it. My phone went off and I looked. Are you seeing Bette Midler? Is that what you're telling? You're going to, from a distance, the world looks blue and green. I totally butchered that. Didn't I? <laughs> it's Bette Midler, right? I'm, I'm, I'm correct on that. I think. I might be off. I don't know. Several people are watching this going like, what the fuck song was that? Oh, God damn. Bette Midler. That's what I thought. It is Bette Midler. You know, she does not um, swing her arms when she walks. Now, wait a minute. That was... Um, or was that Bette Midler? Am I am I am I confusing actresses? Flash, good evening. Lauren Bobert's son was arrested. Snicks won third place singing Bette Midler. Will you do a duet with Sparkles? Maybe we'll we'll have a talent show on the, the Troll Patrol talent show and we'll see who sings from a distance the best. Maybe I can get some people together we can do a We Are the World. We Are the Children. Chiefs Aholic lawyer defended his client to media members with bizarre football metaphors. Matthew Merriman, the lawyer representing Xavier Babudar, an avid Kansas City Chiefs fan known as Chiefsaholic, made an interesting choice when addressing the media on Wednesday. Okay, I thought this had something to do with January 6th. Apparently not. Uh, but I do believe he was involved in January 6th. 
After Babudar pleaded guilty on Wednesday in federal court to counts of bank robbery, money laundering, and transporting stolen property across state lines, Merriman used football references while speaking on behalf of his client. From the beginning of the case, folks, the government has been... Oh, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's go ahead and hear it from his... From the beginning of this case, folks, the government has been blitzing, and Xavier's pocket was collapsing. But today... Xavier stepped into the pressure. He took responsibility for his actions. He stood up in court, humble and repentant, and admitted what he had done. Now, if I know anything about Xavier, and if the Chief's Kingdom knows anything about Chief Saholic, we know that he doesn't give up. We know that if he stumbled and he fell, he didn't let his knee touch the ground. And that's because he's capable of doing a great thing. And he knows that there's still hope. We still have a lot of work to do on his case, but Xavier wants everyone to know. I'm sorry, I was confusing him with an extreme Cardinals fan known as Rally Runner. He was the football fanatic fan that was indicted uh, in January 6th. So this is not the dude from January 6th. This is a different fanatical football watcher charged with crimes. This was his lawyer using many football analogies. ...capable of doing a great thing. And he knows that there's still hope. We still have a lot of work to do on his case, but Xavier wants everyone to know that he loves the Chief's Kingdom, he loves Kansas City, and he hopes that you'll rally to his support. Thank you and God bless. I hope he enjoyed the Super Bowl this year. Did he get to watch it? Was he incarcerated at the time? I'm ditching this. I'm not going to do it. it like... I don't want to do any any downer fucking news anymore. I say as I get ready to play you a <laughs> audio clip of people dying in a submarine. <laughs> I don't want to do any downer news anymore. Let's let's hear some people dying in a submarine. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, sorry. Remember that sub that had all those rich people on it that uh, exploded underwater? <laughs> well, we've got new audio released just a couple of days ago. Eerie knocking sounds from Titan Sub that gave rescuers hope heard in new audio. So this is audio from the Titan Sub that sank, what, end of March last year? Maybe the beginning of April? But then, an extraordinary development. Late in day two, CNN reports that the Canadians heard banging noises at 30-minute intervals from under the ocean, and that changed everything. This is the sound that was heard.
But now that's impossible, right? Because we now know that the sub exploded. Mysterious knocking sounds heard beneath the Atlantic Ocean that gave false hope to the Titan submersible and its occupants could be rescued uh, has been revealed in a haunting new audio clip. After the underwater craft lost contact with its mothership on a journey to the Titanic wreck last summer, report oh, it was last summer? I thought it was in the spring. Reports on the second day of the frantic search said the bang noises were reverberating in the depths at 30-minute intervals. An upcoming British documentary from Channel 5, The Titan Sub-Disaster, minute by minute, played the audio for the public for the first time, which sounds like a person knocking against metal. During the desperate search, the sound raised hopes that someone was alive and trying to send a message, but it was later determined that the noise couldn't have been the passengers and the crew as they died instantly in the catastrophic implosion. Not explosion, implosion, I'm sorry. The catastrophic implosion the sub suffered two hours into its voyage. It's not clear, however, what the knocking actually was. More time. This is from a documentary from Channel 5. But then, an extraordinary development. Late in day two, CNN reports that the Canadians heard banging noises at 30-minute intervals from under the ocean, and that changed everything. This is the sound that was heard. Huh, wonder what that was. Curious sperm whale tapping on the right. Shelly! Goddamn, genius. Probably. If you are out on the West Coast, I hope you are staying warm. I hope that you are safe during this extreme weather going on. Apparently, snowstorm in Northern California has residents hunkering down. The Sierra blizzard. New our team coverage now with a look at how people in the Sierra are hunkering down and some of them are digging out already. ABC 7 News reporter Cornell Bernard spoke with some of them. And Cornell, what are they telling you about the conditions today? Karina, many say this is a storm to remember. The snow is still piling up. The wind is still howling. The blizzard is leaving a lot of folks stuck this weekend and trying to dig out. Interstate 80 in the Northern California area on Sierra Nevada is closed from Colfax to the Nevada state line due to spinouts. Interstate 80 remained closed Saturday afternoon over Donner Summit. The winter storm slamming the Sierra with rare blizzard conditions, creating a bone-chilling mess. Trucks were stranded in heavy snow. The CHP says... By the way, record high temperature where I'm sitting today. Because this is totally normal. This is totally normal. One side of the country getting slammed with a historic blizzard in March. Other side of the country, record high temperature. Emergency personnel and tow trucks had a tough time reaching drivers. Oh my gosh, such an epic storm, definitely, especially in March. Renee Adelman from Marin County is riding out the blizzard in South Lake Tahoe. Our house was rocking last night. There were gale force winds. 
the windows were creaking. Um, it, it, it was the worst that I've seen in a few years. This was the view from Renee's place before the blizzard and after. Getting out will be China. Good evening. Neighbor's house, by the way, that the snow is up to halfway up their door. Um, but we brought groceries with us and supplies so we didn't have to go to the grocery Vibes store. to your hand. We were just going to stay home today and we'll see what the ski conditions are like tomorrow. Right now, I mean, we're working to open the mountain, but it's this storm is coming down heavy, fast, and hard with really high winds. So it's going to take some time for us to get back open. Wait a minute. I thought the. I thought the groundhog told the summer's coming. Ski resorts like Palisades Tahoe were closed Saturday due to severe weather and unbelievable wind gusts. Overnight on top Siberia Ridge, which is the top part of our mountain, we were reaching wind uh, up to 190 miles per hour, which is, you know, I'm pretty sure it's hurricane force winds. We're obviously going to be seeing a lot of this today. My neighbors are uh, digging out. Retired ABC7 News photographer Randy Davis lives in Truckee, where the snow is being measured in feet. I'm walking on the deck in over two feet of powder. Light snow, very light snow, but there's a significant amount of it. We filled our cars up with gas. If we, not that we're going to go anywhere. It looks like it's going to be a while before anyone gets out of town. Yeah, it certainly could be, and uh, we just checked. Interstate 80 remains closed in both directions over Donner's Summit. The CHP urging motorists to wait until... And that's as of 4 o'clock this afternoon. Still closed. Conditions improve before they even try to get to Tahoe. Could be several days before streets and highway off-ramps in the Tahoe area are plowed for cars and trucks. So much snow there. Cornell Bernard, ABC 7 News. As in, that was just posted like two hours ago. Fucking wow. But you know, we as a country, we face a lot of problems. Like dealing with climate change. But you know what the real problem is in our society? Diversity, equity, and inclusion. The The ride has come up with a, a cute little catchphrase they've got here. DEI must die. DEI must die. And apparently they have latched on to one of... I don't want to call him one of my favorite comedians. It's so weird that I I've seen Jerry Seinfeld live. I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of the show Seinfeld, but it was after seeing Jerry Seinfeld live that I realized I don't find Jerry Seinfeld funny. Then uh, I I discovered this show called Curb Your Enthusiasm and it is it is written by Larry David and I realized I love Larry David. I don't love Jerry Seinfeld. But it's still kind of weird to me to watch right-wing media now latch on to Jerry Seinfeld. Because this is the blaze, but this isn't the only right-wing media posting about Jerry Seinfeld, which I find odd. 
Watch Jerry Seinfeld put DEI advocate to shame in 30 seconds. I don't know what Dave Rubin has to do with this. But we're totally we're totally going to watch it. Host goes quiet as his woke question for Jerry Seinfeld backfires. I can't wait to see this. I have noticed that most of the guests are mostly white males of 22 episodes. Yeah, that let's had. get into that. No, I, <laughs> I want to show you a clip that was going viral over the weekend uh, of Jerry Seinfeld. And this is, uh, this is a few months ago. But, you know, Seinfeld, what's interesting about him is that he went at the height of the show and in the 80s, 90s and all that, Jerry, no one knew his uh, political opinions about anything. Now he has somehow become some... Dave Rubin's never watched the show. Uh, Kramer turns communist. They make a very big deal about being pro-choice. In the 90s. In the 90s, the show is insanely, it's Jews living in New York, Dave. I assure you, the show is incredibly progressive. Also, wasn't the 80s and 90s. The show debuted in 89. It was a very 90s show. Somewhat controversial. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, but here he was being interviewed uh, and asked about, uh, well, just not having enough DEI in his comedy and his shows. Talk to? I have noticed that most of the guests are mostly white males of 22 episodes. Yeah, that let's had. get into that. No, I, <laughs> but, but you, you... Take a look over here, Peter. What do you see? A lot of... <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> but but I, oh, this really pisses me off. But well, go no, ahead. No, no, I, I, really <laughs> pisses me off. People think it's it's the census or something. I mean, this has got to <laughs> represent the the actual pie chart of, of of America. Who cares? Yes, it was really weird that you did a show where you were in New York and there were very few black characters, very few people of color, very few Latinos. And they were kind of stereotypical when they were on the show. Just throwing that out there. It's just funny, you know, funny is the, is the, is the world that I live in. You're funny, I'm interested. You're not funny, I'm not interested. Okay. And, and I have no interest in gender or race or anything like that. But everyone else is kind of with their little calculating, is this the exact right mix? You know, mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that's, uh, to me, it's anti- comedy but jerry's answer there is absolutely right and we was it wokeness destroy comedy which is why there's very few funny movies anymore or funny tv shows or anything else right and his response like and of course the interviewer is just one of another one of these just sort of like asexual i watch funny tv shows all the time what world do you live in motherfucker I live in a world where South Park, Sunny in Philadelphia, and Curb Your Enthusiasm are all still going strong. Dave Rubin is not sponge worthy. Funny movies anymore, or funny TV shows, or anything else, right? And his response, like, and of course the interviewer is just one of another one of these just sort of like asexual white weirdos. Like, why doesn't he, I don't know. Mitt Harry Carey, right? He could just stab himself right there and we could get a black gay guy up there hosting that show. Wouldn't be that difficult to ask Jerry those questions, but of course he never does that. But the point is the audience is with Jerry and Jerry's making the point. It ruins absolutely everything. Does it? 
Does does not shutting people of color out from entertainment ruin everything? I didn't know that. Jerry has a black friend though, right? He's friends with Chris Rock. So he's he's got a black friend. I don't know what this right wing obsession is with Jerry Seinfeld. This is the Daily Wire. It's not you, it's me. Why old shows like Seinfeld are crushing new expensive shows. More than 57 billion minutes were spent last year watching Suits. Now, I... Suits and Seinfeld are both not that old. (laughs) The stats are in in classic TV shows like Seinfeld, Friends, and Suits. Those are classics now. Way to make me feel old, Daily Wire. What the fuck? When when you say classic TV shows to me, I think Dick Van Dyke, The Honeymooners, I Love Lucy. Classic TV shows. They they play Nirvana on classic rock stations now, so I don't know. Apparently, they crushed new, more expensive shows in 2023 that were driven by Hollywood's desire to focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion rather than storytelling. Now, remember, The Daily Wire, uh, founded by Ben Shapiro, a failed television writer. And also, whenever they bitch about like things ruining... Ruining... Uh, 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 like Hollywood and shit. Like, I would say it's capitalism. I would say it's the capitalistic incentive to try to make as much money as you can that has ruined television in Hollywood. We don't give creative people enough leeway. We try. We try to appeal to the broadest possible audience, dumb everything fucking down. The Mister Beastification of shit. Audiences love a good story. Thus, success in movies and television has always been the result of great storytellers writing great stories, regardless of whether the writers were male or female, white or black, or any other minority. But according to the free press, those times appear to be changing. Well, see, the problem is, is like historically, male white people have dominated the entertainment industry and kept other voices out. Oh, I'm not even going to be able to to read the whole thing. I'm sorry. I and I'm on I'm on the the browser with the most ad blockers. Streaming companies like Amazon, Netflix, and Disney Plus have been shelling out millions of dollars to great shows that will please the DEI gods, but those are losing out to old shows, also known as acquired shows. I said it to my buddy the other day, like the money they, $300 million on a Marvel movie. Just fucking break that up. Give, what is it? 30, 30 independent content creators like me. Give us each $10 million to go out here and do something, you know, unique. And at least two or three of them are going to be hits for you. I, I do not understand Hollywood's uh, fascination with, you know, trying to get every last drop they can 
out of an IP as opposed to just, you know, spending far less money. You don't even have to give me $10 million. Give me fucking half a million dollars and watch the movie I go create. We're getting close clinically. First billion dollar movie. Oh shit. Easily within 10 years. Easily. But we're, we're at like 300 and what was, what was, uh, the blue people avatar. Uh, that's the, that's the most expensive, right? It's like 300 or 400 million within 10 years, within 10 years. And it's yet another example of the right wing getting so close to the to the to the problem and properly diagnosing that there is a problem, just not coming to the right solution. Oh, it's not the capitalistic incentive that dumbs everything down. No, it's the wokes. The wokes killed everything. This Chevy Lowrider was donated to Cars for Kids. And it went straight to the junkyard. The new Star Wars is $447 million? God damn. Wait, there's a new Star Wars? What new Star Wars? Are they not done with that shit? Anybody want to call in and sing the Cars for Kids song? Sparkles, you want to sing the Cars for Kids song? The Chevy Lowrider donated to Cars for Kids. They sent it straight to the junkyard, and I don't know why. On January 8th, Chorus for Kids picked up a 1989 Chevy Beretta Lowrider from Medhat Bashai, who donated his ride in hopes that someone else would eventually treasure it as he did. No one ended up loving his prized custom-designed Beretta, though, not because it wasn't worth loving, but because it ended up at a pick-and-pull yard torn apart just one day later. Unfortunately, Bashi's story isn't uncommon, though that doesn't make it any less painful. The idea of donate, donating a V... Oh, wait, wait a minute. I thought we were just finding out that some dude donated a shitty car and it got junked. Are we finding out that Cars for Kids is actually a scam? <laughs> you, were, you weren't anticipating a Beretta. <laughs> oh, fuck. Now, Cars for Kids has already come under public scrutiny. Oh, my God. If you can't trust cars for kids, who the fuck can you trust? Cars for kids has already come under public scrutiny for misleading donors about what it does with the money. But that's a different story for a different time. Instead, this is about what can happen to your car after it's been donated. We get a video with this. Hell yeah. That was R.E.M. playing.
So the, the person at the yard posted this and was like, oh, this is a pimp ride. Shit, look at that interior. I mean, that's what Cars for Kids is supposed to do. It's supposed to give it to a mom who's down on her luck. That's what Cars Cars for Kids is for. Absolutely puts it. I mean, fuck. Why would they junk that? It could have been like repurposed into like a fucking a booth at a classic diner or something. And the engine sold for parts and shit. It's insane. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. To, to get it into to road shape. It probably cost more than buying a new car. But like there's something that could have been done with it. Probably the dude made a mistake donating it to cars for kids. But he thought he was doing a good turn. <laughs> Flash, I couldn't imagine that. I could not imagine that. But I'm ser- like, seriously, somebody should have bought that and... A booth at a classic diner or something. Made it into a carnival ride with the, with the body or some shit. I don't fucking know. So somebody with more ingenuity than uh, than me could figure it out. You you would think, but apparently the dude did, did this himself. There was no exhibit putting this together. This this dude all custom made this. According to Bashai, the Beretta ran well and could have been reliable transportation for someone. The engine was working perfectly and no oil leaks. And the same for the transmission. That didn't save it. Shortly after Cars for Kids picked up Bashi's Beretta, someone posted a video to Instagram showing it at a pick-and-pull yard. It sat on blocks without its wheels and was missing several parts. The scavengers had already been picking at it. How could someone notice it was his car and not just any old 80s Beretta? Because Bashi's was unmistakable. Well known in the California car community as it was actually featured in Lowrider magazine in the 1990s. Bashi's Beretta wore a custom painted purple and gold LA Lakers inspired color scheme with hand painted ribbons and swirls. It sat on hydraulic suspension, wore gold wheels, and had a wild purple suede interior. It's puffy steering wheel was also a sight to behold. The fact that someone put that much love and attention into a Beretta, one of the 80s least interesting American cars. <laughs> Made it feel special. While Bashi uh, wasn't the one who did the work to the car. Oh, oh, he didn't do it. He bought it that way more than 20 years ago. He loved his Beretta and cared for it during his ownership. After spending more than two decades with a car as unique as his purple 80s lowrider, it's easy to get attached. So that, was, that was back in Lowrider magazine. 
Flashy circumstances changed, and he had to unload the Beretta. He listed it for 12500 but didn't get any serious bites. He then dropped the price twice, but still nothing. That's when he decided to donate it to Cars for Kids. That way, they'd sell it, and the next owner could love and cherish it the way he did. When Bashi saw the video of his Chevy at the scrapyard, he was understandably gutted. His beloved car, which he didn't want to part with, wasn't being adored like he had hoped. Instead, it was being torn, torn apart ahead of its inevitable crusher-inflicted doom. So why did Chorus for Kids send the custom Beretta Lowrider to be scavenged for parts in the first place? As it turns out, this happens pretty often. We keep records of how much each car is sold for and refer uh, to that when selling the cars. Many cars, although running, will sell for more uh, will sell for more for their parts than as a whole car at auction. What Cars for Kids told The Drive. In this instance, data from previous donations of the same year make and model as Boshi's Beretta indicated we would make more by reselling it for parts than reselling at auction. Hey, Flash, that's actually good. Flash with the loophole over here. <laughs> Things. You know what? I've been working for a. A, a tax firm that focuses on automotive shops. I might have to turn them on to that loophole. Also, I feel sorry for them because they, they have decided they wanted to make the pivot to video and I've made them incredibly good videos and uh, they ain't getting a lot of views. But also, they just started posting. So, let's let's hope they come along. Because the content's not bad. The content's not bad. I mean, the video looks amazing, of course, because I did it. <laughs> oh. Even the even the dude, even the dude, the high fruit toe, uh, the high fuck toes guy, like. He sends me the crappiest Zoom videos, and boy, do I ever make those look look way better than they have any right being. That's how good I am. There was this video going around on Twitter, probably Friday, maybe Thursday, and all these right-wing accounts shared it out, and I just, I'm just amazed. I think it originated with a, a, a account called Clown World. Clown World shared this video out. And the thing that, that is so striking to me about the video is not that Clown World thinks that what the dude is doing in the video is the Clown World part. This guy decided that instead of walking on stairs that have been painted with a rainbow flag... He decided to hump the rail. Clown World is indeed a Nazi poster. To me, the fact that a dipshit... straddled the railing to go up without... Touching the gay flag. (laughs) 
grinding the rail. He is grinding on that pole to avoid touching the pride flag. Grinding on a pole to avoid touching the pride. That's the gayest way possible to ascend that staircase. Indeed. But the fact that right-wing accounts kept posting this, acting like this was a perfectly sane reaction to beautifully painted stairs is just astounding to me. I apparently just, just stepping on a pride flag painted step will make you gay. He made the stairs more gay. Right wingers are morons. It's what Hitler would want. Go paint his house with a rainbow. Let's see. Oh my God, that booty. He doesn't want to catch the gay. I mean, that's one way to do it. But, 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 but. To me, I feel like if you wanted to avoid walking on the stairs, you should have done what DJ Khaled did. He got his bodyguards to carry him so he wouldn't have to get his uh, his Jordans dirty. This motherfucker right here. Why is he famous? His music isn't good. He don't eat no pussy. Why is this motherfucker famous? DJ Gollin is stirring up controversy yet again, this time for an odd request for his bodyguards. The music producer has a reputation for getting himself stuck in controversies every now and then. The 48-year-old has been in hot water uh, for several reasons over the years. The particularly infamous one of the controversies is when he made some distasteful remarks about performing oral sex on women during a 2018 interview. What has he produced has been any good? Can somebody tell me? Is there a good DJ Khaled song? I don't want to get my Jordans dirty. Can I, can I get everybody to help me? Please, everybody help me. Thank you, brother. Motherfucker, take them off. You don't want to get them dirty. Take them off. I appreciate it. You want to get in the back? Can't mess up the chase. I perform it. Does he say his name? I thought he was the one. And another one. And another one. I bet he does have soft feet. Live right now. Right here on Miami Beach, South Beach. Shout out to Dave Grutman. We about to light the whole stage up. You feel nice? I don't want to get my Jordans dirty. Can I, can I get everybody to help me?
where's the right wing outrage talking about how how big of a fucking puss this guy is? Oh my god. Social media users were not happy with Khalid for putting his shoes on such a high pedestal. I have no respect for you. This is the stupidest thing I've seen, one user wrote. Get off your fucking high horse. Lifting 400 pounds wasn't in the resume, another joke <laughs> about the security guards, while a third agreed that the guards don't get paid enough for that. Fucking get some... They make fucking shoe covers. It's when um, when you're like building a house, when you work construction, they make shoe covers that go over your shoes so you don't get dirt in the house you're building. How about wear some damn sandals and put the Jordans before uh, put on the Jordans before walking on stage? Yeah, this isn't the first time Khalid has found himself in hot water. Uh, he expressed reluctance to perform oral sex on women, which is just insane. Buddy, pussy is amazing, dude. It's like pussy, lobster, crab, a filet mignon. <laughs> Like, those are, like, the best things to eat in life. What is wrong with you? Comments sparked a heated debate about gender roles and respected relationships, drawing criticism from public figures like The Rock. Also, fuck The Rock. I do. I, I like Hill Rock, but it's not gonna. It's not gonna be Hill Rock very much longer. Rock's trying to come in and destroy WWE, and I'm not here for it. <laughs> Here's a cat playing pool. Damn, he's pretty good. Mulholland. <laughs> the whole bug thing, man, Flash. I was I was telling Curiouser about that. Like, that's just insane. Mulholland. The World Economic Forum is going to make you eat bugs. You're going to like it. I got to turn I got to turn the volume down. It was way too loud. I couldn't talk over it. It felt like I was screaming. Hey, hey, I made it through this in under 2 hours. I didn't think I was going to. But also I cut out like three stories I was going to talk about. I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I didn't want to bum anybody out. I was. I was tired of doing bummer news. Eat ass, not bugs. But but if you're gonna eat ass, remember. Life is too short to walk this earth for a crusty asshole. Wash your ass. 
Justin wanted to get out of here in two hours because Justin wants to go play Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Some more. I've had a shit ton of work to do. I made a video for the Stanford uh, Muslim Psychology Lab. They had they had like their ten year anniversary and the badasses. I love those women. I had such a pleasure working for them, and they're doing great work. But like, they hired me to make this video, and they needed it in like three days. They needed it by Friday, and Final Fantasy VII came out on Wednesday. <laughs> So Justin has done nothing but play that game and work. Done very little else. Barely had time to eat. Yes, we're gonna do we're gonna do Tuesday. Super Tuesday stream, even though there's not gonna be anything going on. I'll see you guys here in a couple of days. Thursday night is the uh the State of the Union. So we're gonna be doing the Biden speech. Come on, man! If you guys are thinking about getting Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, it comes as a two-pack. You can get Remake for free with it. And I kind of, you know, I kind of want to be a little pissed at that because I paid full, I paid $70 for it. But also, like, that's a very consumer-friendly thing to do. So I can't get mad about that. Like, that's cool that they, like, if you want to play Rebirth because it's goddamn amazing, you can get Remake for free, and I highly recommend it. I as as a OG Final Fantasy fan, they actually I, I was a little worried where they were gonna go with the story, but my god, they have knocked it out of the park. I'm like if you play the original, I'm at Costa del Sol. I just went from Junon across the ocean. The whole Junon, the 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 boat trip, completely different than the original, but I'm totally cool with it. It was so good. Oh, so good the way they did it. So I'm excited to get back to it. I love you guys so much. I'll see you on Tuesday. Go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before you hit the sack. I'm Justin Freakin. See you Tuesday night for Super Tuesday on the Troll Patrol Live. <laughs>